0: He's ready for the word. I'm excited. John chapter five. If you'd turn there with me this morning, and I have something on my heart that I definitely want to share by way of encouragement, of challenging us, and I want to say, as you turn there, if you would be able to multitask and do two things at the same time, here's how I want to begin our message this morning, our talk this morning, is as you're turning there. I want you to get in the very forefront of your mind of an issue or a habit or a hurt or a hang-up, something that you have been dealing with for a very long time, I would like you to just take a moment and get that in the very forefront of your mind as we delve into the Word today. It might be a long-standing issue, something that you've dealt with For a long time, because the story that we're going to read today is in John chapter 5. And I love this story because it talks about a person who had an issue for a very, very long time. How many understand we can go through life with the same issues when Jesus is offering his help, his healing, and his ability and power to pull us off the mat, not leave us on the mat. Amen? And some in here may be living in a place of lack maybe living in a place where you feel like, God, I've prayed about this, I've asked you. There's one thing I've learned about the Lord. Let me just share off the cuff here for a few minutes before we delve into our scripture. There's one thing that I've learned about the Lord is when I am going through a season where it seems like I have a lot of needs or I have a lot of things going on in my life, I, I want you to understand something very important about God. If you don't know this, you'll hear me say it quite often. God is not the source of pain, confusion, frustration, lack. It's not God. Uh, You need to understand that about who God is because when you don't understand that about God, when you're going through a rough storm or you're going through a rough time, we can think the genesis of it is God. I want you to know this morning that God is good and God does good. That's who God is. Amen. Very clear in the scripture that that's who our God is now. Let me, let me say this and add this. When I do find myself going through a place that's difficult or I'm dealing with an issue for a very long time, what I begin to do is to look back and see if maybe I took a left when I t- should have t- taken a right. Following God is, is similar, not exactly like, but it's very similar to following a modern-day GPS, Right? It's very similar to listening to, the, seeing the Word of God, memorizing the Word of God, being in the Word of God, allowing the Word of God to be in you, and the voice of the Holy Spirit will begin to direct you and begin to lead you and begin to guide you. And most of the time when I'm going through, I always evaluate the seasons in life by, by looking back and saying, okay, Lord, did I get off course here? Did, did I, I take a left when I should have taken a right? The issue with getting off course isn't that you can't, Reroute. How many like when your GPS reroutes? <laughs> uh, I thank God for it because I'd have been lost many times in my life if that thing hadn't rerouted me. What it is doing, and this is, God's so good, He's going to get you to the place, but it's just going to take a lot more time. And in this story that we're about to read, this man had been invalid and on a mat for 38 years. Church, I want to tell you something this morning. God does not want you broken down, And on a mat, an invalid, for for decades, amen? God is a God when He shows up that He wants to heal you. He wants to transform you. Everybody say transform. There is transformation in the presence of God. There is transformation. If you came in and you need peace, let me tell you something. He is peace. If you need healing, He is healing. Whatever it is that we have need of from God is found in the person of Jesus Christ. So here in John 5... Jesus is coming into the town, into Jerusalem. It's the time of the feast, and he's coming in. And what he finds is somebody that had been in a condition for a long time. And just again, if you got in the forefront of your mind instantly, you may have thought this is something, maybe a a hidden sin issue. It may be something else in your life that's just kind of tucked away. And as soon as I ask you to bring to the forefront of your mind something that you've been dealing with for a long time. I've got good news for you this morning. God came to set you free from it. God came to change the situation. If we reach out in faith, if we allow him to speak to our hearts, we can see God do great things in this house today. Amen? I also want to say, just by way of announcement, that we will be doing communion. I love communion. There's a presence of God that just comes into this place during communion. It's the way it's supposed to be. And uh, you may be here visiting and think, well, can I take a mute? Listen, you came in, you come back more than once, your family here at Christian Center Church, amen? But as I prayed about this, I felt like the Holy Spirit just kind of directed me to make communion part of the altar call today. So, it, towards the end of the thing, here's what he told me to do. He wants me to speak some things over you that will absolutely wash over you, and that thing that's at the forefront of your mind today can be brought to light and healed, amen? In this story we're getting ready to read, it's called Bethesda. And Bethesda means a place or a house of mercy. And church, I want you to know that our churches should be places of mercy. Amen? And as Jesus shows up here, as we're getting ready to read, he shows up and this, this house of mercy is filled with people who have been invalid and left to the side. For many years. If you're in John 5, say amen. Amen. Verse 1. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which is in Aramaic, is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed... One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Father, for these next few moments and minutes, as we share your word, your word already has the power in it to transform. Your word is settled forever in the heavenlies, as it says in your word, Father, today. It's settled, Lord. So let your word have the effect of bringing hope, of bringing peace, of bringing deliverance, of bringing healing to our broken bodies and our broken hearts today, Father. I ask that anything said of Jason Hanks would fall by the wayside, but whatever said under the unction and anointing of the Holy Spirit would go into the hearts of the people today, and it would grow fruit in our lives. Holy Spirit, I ask you to settle into this place, that your peace would be here, that your anointing would rest upon me today, Father. I ask humbly, in Jesus Christ's holy name and all God's people said, amen. amen. Do you want to get well? You know, on the surface, that seems like a silly question, doesn't it? You have a man who evidently had some desire to want to be healed and changed because he was at a place. And in the story, if, if you're confused about what's going on, they thought or had a belief that an angel would come down at different times. And really what it was, there was an underground spring in this area and it would begin to bubble up. And they thought once the waters began to be stirred or bubble, they would jump into the water and the first one that gets in the water would be healed here in this story. But what I've learned now in over 20 years of ministry, pastoring and as a missionary, what I've learned is simply this, not everybody down really wants to get up. Come on, somebody. We have an addiction to affliction sometimes. We have, what happens is, and I think happened in this man's life, and this may help you today, is our hurt becomes our identity. So Jesus has to come and ask some tough questions, and today I'm going to ask you some tough questions but it's in the tough questions that will finally identify where we're operating because some people who get knocked down somehow become people who stay down. And if you're somebody who's been knocked down lately, i got good news for you. Jesus is coming along and walking these aisles and, and right here today to look at us and say, do you want to be well? I would put it in today's context and of this, of lots of people come to church and Lots of people come, and they have an expectation. and expectation is a great place to start, but it's an awful way to end because God doesn't just want you and, and brought you here today by divine appointment expecting God to do something. God wants to do something, but he has to first sometimes identify what we're operating out of so that we can identify lies that the enemy has been telling us so that we can overcome them by the truth of God's Word. I've met a lot of people who have an addiction to affliction. Come on, somebody. You've never met anybody. that Their whole identity is wrapped up in everything going wrong instead of the thousand things that are going right. I know you've met, the, you've met those people. You see them, and man, it's a good day, isn't it? Well, bless God, no, it's not. And they're always focused on the few things that are wrong. instead. Of, can I tell you, if you begin to focus on everything wrong, you're going to be on a mat soon enough, and you're going to feel like there's no hope for you But there is hope today, and His name is Jesus Christ. And we can all identify with this man. At least I can. Everybody at some point... And listen, it it doesn't talk about how he ended up in the condition that he ended up in. And I came to tell you this morning that Jesus sees the way that you ended up in the condition that you're in today. But if you stop there and always begin to look at the past and blame the past and blame everybody else, you'll never get up off your mat. It just says he was lame. In other words, he very well could have been just beaten up at one time and left there. So certainly the question had compassion in it because we know Jesus is incredibly compassionate. But let me give you another side of the coin that Jesus is just not compassionate. Jesus will confront the things that are holding you back from actually getting up and moving forward this morning. We've all been wounded. We've all been in that place. And let me tell you, One of the things that I think we have trouble with in church in general is just honesty. Everybody say honesty. We have a lot of trouble. You see, when Jesus approaches this man and asks this question, it seems like a rhetorical question or even a silly question, but we know that God does not ask silly questions. So knowing that, there must be something deeper that perhaps we're missing in this story that could help us today pursue God. Because when Jesus comes to him, what I've learned in my life and in people that I've ministered to through over the years is when God comes and asks a difficult question, here's the two things that we... because. If we're going to be honest, it's one thing to be honest about our condition, but if you just stop with honesty and never being healed of it, never being delivered of it, never getting up off your mat, you're staying in the same place that you used to be, and that's not where God wants us. So what happens in our lives, at least in mine, I'll just talk about myself, when God comes along and deals with me about something, usually the first place I go to is denial. That's where he could have gone, right? He could have gone to, listen, denial is not just a river in Egypt, y'all. It's not. No, I know. I had to. He could have said, "You know, he's, he, I would lay on the floor, but we got visitors here today." So he could have just laid there and said, "There's nothing wrong with me, right?" Or he could have went the other extreme in just complete dependence. And today we're going to talk about identity. Everybody, say identity. This is so important because I believe this man, having been lame for 38 years, seeing the story, I mean, I look at this story and I'm like, man, I mean, if, if all you had to do is get down into that water one time when it began to be stirred up, why for 38 years has somebody else gotten in before you? I would have had people just put me right on the edge of the water so that I could just, I don't know how, but I would have just inched my way down into the water. Come on. Come on. I mean, roll over into the water, whatever it is. Hey, you grab me by the ankle over here and you pull me in. But see, what can happen is our place where we're invalid can soon become our identity. And we can either be in denial about it or we can be in dependence upon that. And I want to talk about that today. Because here's the thing. When I talk about honesty in the church understand this, we are not unified here at Christian Center Church based upon how wonderful we are, amen? What I mean by that is how many feel unity with somebody that just comes up to you all the time and like, bless God, I never have a problem at all. Bless God, I've never been in financial lack. Bless God, my kids have never gone crazy and done something dumb, right? I'm not unified you see we're not unified by the mutual victories even though the victories are wonderful to testify about amen we are unified by mutual struggles we are we are in other words if, if somebody comes up to you and you perhaps have lost a child you know before they were born my wife we both we lost two children before they were born so when somebody comes up and has that mutual, hurt in their past, there's instant unity. Amen? For me, I was an alcoholic at one time in my life, so when I meet people that have struggled with alcoholism, I have an instant unity. I know what it's like to be there. Amen? So let's look back here at the Scripture down here in verse 7, and let's continue on. So those things pull us together, but again, as a pastor, the danger is is we can be in denial or we can become dependent, and God doesn't want either of those things with other people. Verse 7. Sir, can, can I put this in my, in my own voice today? Can I take a little liberty? Sir, <laughs> I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down before me. <laughs> <laughs> then Jesus said to him, Get up! Pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, It's the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick up your mat and walk? The reason that I had you get a long-standing issue in the forefront of your mind at the very beginning today is I want you to hear the voice of Jesus all the way down through the millennia now speaking to your heart today. Do you want to be well? And because I think the church, and I've been studying this since Thursday as I was just doing my morning devotionals, I landed in this and began to think about it, began to pray about it, because I think the church universal, not just here. I think the church is in a John 5 moment in its history. And what I mean by that is Bethesda meant a place of mercy, a place of healing, a place where God's spirit would flow is kind of the general meaning of the area that this was supposed to be. But the area hadn't been a place of healing and comfort and transformation. It had become a place where everybody made excuses about their handicap. Amen? And it's a John 5 moment because I think Jesus is visiting His church in the season that we're in here at this church and He's looking very directly at you and saying, do you really want to be made well? Do you really want to get up and move forward with Me? And it's not a silly question. This man had been laying on a mat for 38 years. And it seems silly and it seems rhetorical and he's an invalid man who's In other words, he had some desire to get well, but not enough desire to finally get up and move forward. And it's that place of denial or dependence. So again, he could have said, hey, wait, there's nothing wrong with me. Church, you may have been telling yourself for 38 years that there's nothing wrong, but God sees our hearts. Denial will keep you from being healed, and dependence will keep you uh, from being healed. Number one this morning, and if you're taking notes, write this down. This is so powerful. Because what was this? This little area, this co- where all the colonnades were and this pool of Bethesda was, had become a community. And number one today is this, a victim community will keep you on the mat forever. Listen to me. A victim community will keep you on the mat forever. Church, I'm doing the best favor that I can do for you as a pastor from the Word of God in John 5 today is that I see a world that blames everybody else for everything going on and there's no personal responsibility anymore. And and I, and I see people encouraging it. Yes, it's just not your... Listen, there's a lot of things in our lives that happen that aren't our fault. Amen? This. Notice in this story, it doesn't talk about whose fault it was and how he ended up in this condition. The fact of the matter is, he's in this condition and the answer shows up before him and he doesn't pat him on the head. You see, in the church, we like to leave people on their mat. Jesus did not die and rise again so you could stay on a mat of your own affliction. He grows again so that we could be changed, healed, delivered and saved. Saved doesn't just mean from your sins, thank God for it. Saved means in every area of your life, you're whole, you're healthy, you're walking forward. But have you ever noticed something? Misery loves company. Doesn't it? Listen, I've watched this. Again, I've I've tried to count 22, 23 years of full-time ministry that I've been in now and been a part of of staff at a very large church. I always noticed this. And I used to think it was spiritual, but the more I think about it and I've thought about it for this sermon, I think it's just kind of natural. Misery loves company because what I've watched happen inside of a church is it's like all the gossipers end up friends with each other. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> all the people with the weir- really weird doctrinal theology, one theological point that they hammer on all the time, they all end up together. Yep. All the people that have a certain sin issue, they all end Do you hear me? Oh, yeah. Because... A victim community will keep you on the mat forever. Now, let me give you a caveat this morning about community. There are communities that will help you get off the mat, and there are communities that want you to stay on the mat, because if you get off of your mat this morning, it means the people you've been affiliated with this morning will have to get off of their mat too. Come on. So there's communities of transformation. Everybody say transformation. You want to be a part of a community of transformation. Not a community of affirmation. What's the difference? A community of transformation is going to challenge you that this isn't what Jesus died to give you and they're going to challenge you to get up off the mat. This man had stayed in this community for 38 years and his mat had become his identity. And Jesus didn't come along and offer him a more comfortable mat. He said, get up, take up your mat, and begin to walk forward into what I've called you to do. If you get involved in a... Say, how do I know, Pastor, if I'm involved in a, in a transformation community or involved in a victim community? Again, in a victim community, they're going to give you all the excuses of why you're still living the way that you're living and a transformation community loves you enough to tell you the truth of God's Word that you ain't got to live that way anymore, honey. Amen. The reason God has to confront us is God wants to heal you He wants to change you. But as long as we keep denying our condition, there's not much God nor your pastor can do. Can I tell you, don't let lameness become your identity. I'll say it over here. You all aren't lame. Neither are you. I'm going to say it over here. I'm going to get myself out of this one real quick. Let me ask you this. Because I know nobody in here is like this. Have you ever met somebody that their, their lameness has become their shtick? Again, you see them coming from a mile away. It just kind of becomes, again, if, if you're not careful, it's going to become your identity. And I came to declare over you this morning that when you're in Christ, you are a new creation because Jesus came to transform you. It says you can be born again by the Spirit of God and you are a new creation in Christ. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But you run into people and it's like their issue has become their identity and it's kind of become their shtick. Did I say that right? Shtick. 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 You say, what's that? It's not a stick. No. It becomes, it becomes every time you see them, it becomes everything that you hear. Can I tell you one thing that you can begin to do to change the atmosphere around yourself, the atmosphere in your family, the atmosphere in your marriage, the atmosphere of at work, is quit complaining about everything going on and beginning to understand that no matter on the best day or the worst day, God is good. Amen. And you need to get up off your mat and begin to walk. Again, a victim community does not want you off the mat because that will challenge them to get off of theirs. Listen, if you need to have the issue to stay in community with certain people, you're in the wrong community. I'll say it again. Because if you need to have the issue to stay in community, let me tell you what we are this morning here at this church. We love you. We love you. Listen, Jesus... When he walked up, he, he understood the man had been invalid for a very long time. He understood, I'm sure, the pain. It's it's not non-compassionate to look at this man and have compassion on what's going on. I just wonder if in our churches we've become so compassion-oriented that we've forgotten the truth of God's Word. To be able to speak to people and look at people as, hey, you don't have to live like that anymore. That's the Gospel. The Gospel doesn't just... just Provide an avenue to be forgiven of sins. The Gospel of Jesus Christ transforms you. It makes you get up off your mat. Because our churches are full of people who want to be accepted and not changed. The problem with that again is Jesus is in the transformation business. So if you're going to come in contact with Him, just like in this story, sometimes Jesus will come and not pat you on the head, but challenge you. Listen, the very reason each and every one of us walked into this place this morning is we self-identify with this man, at least I do. I'm on a mat, and I need somebody to help me get up off the mat. And i got good news. Jesus will pick you up off of that mat. Come on. Can I say this? The world needs your testimony of what you've been healed of, not what you've tolerated for 38 years. Number two, the danger of staying in a victim community is you will develop a victim mentality. Listen, the danger of staying in a victim community is you will begin to develop a victim mentality. Let me tell you of two mentalities that will keep you in a prison of being invalid. Number one is an entitlement mentality. An entitlement mentality will keep you in a prison with no bars, and the reason why is it says this, I deserve it, and it's someone else's job to give it to me. Come on. Why does this lock us up in this prison? Because it convinces you that you don't have what God has already put inside of you. Everything that you need for life and godliness is provided for you the moment that you get saved. And an entitlement mentality is looking around at everybody else wondering why you're not moving forward. And I came to tell you the words of Jesus this morning. Do you want to get well? Because the healthier a church gets and the more it begins to move forward, the more, unfortunately, people who don't want to get up and move forward, but they just want to wallow in their own self-pity. Come on. I told you some of the things I'm saying seem harsh, but they're not. Because when you get into an entitlement mentality, you're expecting somebody else to do something for you that God already put inside of you. The second mentality that will absolutely keep you in prison bars is a victim mentality. Everybody say victim mentality. These two are cousins. There's two mentalities that are cousins, an entitlement mentality and a victim mentality. A victim mentality doesn't say I deserve it. A victim mentality says I don't have somebody and it's somebody else's job to get me out of this thing. Right? That's a victim mentality. This is the exact. Jesus had to ask this question because He had been in a victim community for so long. It began to grow into a victim mentality. You hear it in what He said in verse 7. I don't have somebody else to do this for me. And it affected Him. It's saying, here, here, if you've ever caught yourself saying this, in whatever arena we're talking about, your spiritual life, your work life, whatever it is, your family life. Especially men. Let me talk to men for just a few minutes here. Yeah, Pastor, bring it to my husband. Preach it to him. I'm not I don't even know who said that, but I'm gonna walk over here and talk. In the context of this story, let me talk to men for a minute because I think we're, I'll talk about myself. We look at even the condition of our homes. Can I tell you as men that God ordained you and single moms, I salute you. My hat's off to you. We do a lot of things for single moms in this church because you have a tough job. You have a tough job. But men of the house, men of the families, you are the ordained. this, this, This isn't lording over your family. You're called to serve your family to pray for your family. But what can happen is we begin to blame, well, my kids are just, no, come on. It is your responsibility to cover your family, pray for your family, spiritually lead your family to do the things. We could get caught up in this, well, just my wife, bless God. I don't discount that you may have a difficult wife. I hope she's not listening right now. <laughs> I have an awesome wife. Can I tell you and be honest with you? My whole my, my wife holds me to a high accountability. Very high. She fully expects me to be the man of God that she married 20 years ago in April. She fully expects me not to even be that same guy, to be so far down the road in my spiritual maturity. But in the story, well can begin to happen when a victim community turns into a victim mentality. One of the very first things that happens when we begin to do church is we just begin to blame it on everybody else. This can happen in our homes, it can happen at work. And that doesn't discount Th- this man was telling the truth. Nobody would help him. Nobody would do anything. So the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ again is transformation. You You don't have to wait on somebody else to be all God has called you to be because He has already put in you everything that you need. Amen? Amen. So a victim community can turn into a victim mentality, and it can be dangerous. And you will start healing the moment you stop blaming everybody else for what's going on in your life. This, This is not a harsh word. This is a true word. Yeah, but you don't know what they did to me. Listen, I'm not, and Jesus himself is not discounting the hurt and the pain and whatever it was that caused what happened. But I can tell you this, if you keep dwelling on it and make it part of your mentality, then here's what happens next, and this is where this man was. A victim mentality can become into a victim identity if we're not careful a victim community can turn into a victim mentality which will turn into a victim identity look at verse 11 here i love this 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 is where it gets good verse 11 but he replied the, let me give context they're asking him he's he's gotten up says think about this we often think that that the order of our spiritual growth is, well, I'll get up with all my strength and begin to walk, and then I'll be healed. Or, Jesus, let me go and get my life all cleaned up and do something really good for somebody who maybe is poor and needy, and then then I'll come back and you'll accept me. If you get the order of the gospel wrong, you don't have the gospel anymore. Because he looks at him and he says, get up and begin to walk. The man had been laying there for 38 years. I can't imagine just the atrophy and the muscles and the, everything else that was going on. But it, it's important to understand this, this part of the equation. It's just like the woman who was caught in adultery. She comes out and she Jesus finally says, well, where are your accusers? And she's like, they left. And he says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. You understand the, the, the progression here. Including in this story, some of you think, well, I've got to use all my strength and go ahead and get up off of this mat. Can I tell you some good news this morning? It's the transformation of the Word of God because He begins to get up off the mat and begins to move forward, walking afresh and anew. And Jesus says, Take up that mat and begin to move forward. Go walk, get up, walk, move forward. And then He meets resistance. Can I tell you, not everybody's going to be happy that you're off of your mat? They're not. Well, you don't hang out with us on the weekend no more. No, because I don't want to be an alcoholic boater. Come on. Oh, I'm, am I hitting a nerve? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and when they meet resistance, like some of you will, and and again, this is this is how a victim mentality can turn into a victim identity because your identity is the most important thing about your spiritual life who god said you were because he he he's kind of clueless i don't that man said everybody say that man said <laughs> you say how does this form in our life it forms in this way you don't you no longer say hey I, I struggle a little bit with alcohol you begin to say i am an alcoholic you don't you don't you don't say anymore well that person doesn't like me, you begin to say over and in your heart, you say, I am unlikable. Are you following me? Oh, yes. It's a difference between the enemy being able to, to shoot fiery darts of thoughts in your life to a becoming in your heart in the foundation of who you are. He says, that man told me. <laughs> he said, the one who made me well said to me, can I tell you, only Jesus gets to say who you are. If you're one of His children, only He gets to declare over you who you are. Quit talking that you're unlikable and quit saying that you're always going to be addicted and quit saying that you're never going to have a relationship with other people or whatever it is that has gotten so deep in your heart, Jesus has to shake you a little bit and say, what is it you're believing in your life and in your heart? Because if it's contrary to God's Word, God's Word does not change and it is not a lie. God is not a liar. We need to change our thinking to come in alignment with Him the enemy wants to steal your identity so that he can steal your inheritance because if you don't know who you are you're going to you're not going to know what area to occupy moving forward there's one thing to say get up and move forward but i believe that now he had a purpose in his life. He had a fresh identity that I am no longer the person on the mat. I'm the person that's been saved by Jesus. I'm the person that's been delivered and healed in Jesus' name. And when you begin to get that identity in your life and your heart, you'll begin to live it out. Your identity identifies your inheritance and your inheritance points to your destiny. You follow Him? Listen, you have more value in your pinky than what you could ever imagine in God. You're so valuable to Him. You have so much destiny in Him. One of the greatest things I could do as a pastor is be able to help you move forward and walk in the destiny God has for you. But that doesn't start... Uh, understand the order of things, even in this man's life. It's the same order in your life. Is if you'll If you'll never get your identity right, because when you walk into your destiny, that may change, that may flow in a different way. I know for me as a pastor, I don't identify necessarily with my position as pastor because that can be taken away from me. Amen? You're... Parents of teenagers in here, your life's going to change in the next few years. Kids are going to grow up. They're going to begin to move out. Leah and I were talking the other day because we're kind of in that stage of life where our kids are gone more, right? They're just, they're busier. You know, they've got camps and they've got work and they're going back to school soon. But I looked at her and I said, we need to focus on our relationship. We do. Because when we're in that empty nest stage, I want her to be my best friend if you don't focus on that through these, you know, teenage years and even when they're little toddlers, parents, listen to me in here. If you don't focus on that now, then when you get on down the road, you look at each other and you're like, I don't even know you. So when I say your identity, see, here's what nobody could ever take away from Jason Hanks. is who God said I was. Amen. <laughs> he gets up and he begins to walk. And listen, religious people hate when people get healed. Amen? They hate it. That's what happened here. It's like, well, who are, you know, what I found is religious. Can I tell you if you're in the right church or not? This morning, if you're visiting, you'll find the right church when they celebrate your victories, not celebrate your mat. <laughs> As a pastor, I could say, yeah, I'm so glad you all are messed up because I got a good job for the next 20 years helping you, all right? That's not how I look at it. I look at it, I want you healed and delivered and saved and set free and walking forward. Why? So that you can look at other people and say, hey, I know what they used to say about me. Some of you have listened to what other people used to say about you. They don't know the new you, the real you, the one Jesus said, get up and begin to move forward. Because that's our identity. Tam, if you'd come, please. There's only one person that gets to decide who you are. Amen? And that's Jesus. So our victim communities, if we're not careful, and that just simply means be careful who you're putting yourself into covenant fellowship with. Amen? Young people that are in here, young adults, let me just, if you're single, it says do not be unequally yoked together. It's important. Make sure that you evaluate the person that you believe God's bringing into your life by saying we share the same level of relationship with God. That makes for a great marriage, amen? makes for a fulfilling marriage. And if we're not careful, that community, because again, they're, they're either, they're either a, a community that wants to see you transform or a community that wants to, wants to see you stay on the mat. Can I tell you what this community is? They're people that are going to be cheering you on to get up, take up that mat, and begin to walk forward. But sometimes that victim mentality can just... It it happens. I want to tell you something this morning. I'm not saying these things to you because it's you. I'm saying these things because it's me. I found myself over the last few months of walking through very difficult places and times and i just like, God, that's not how you said it was going to be. God, it's... God, this, and God, why that, and why, and all the questions that we all face and happen. and and What what I found is I had an alert on Thursday morning reading the Scriptures. I just had an alert, like, be careful that that becomes your mentality where everywhere you look, all you see is other invalid people. Amen? Listen, when I drive through this city, of course we see people that are drug addicts, and we see people in prostitution. We see people homeless. We see people broken. But the Holy Spirit challenged me. See with eyes of faith. See a community that's transformed and up off the mat. That is blessed and walking under the identity of who God called them to be. Guys, if you get ready with our communion back there. Here's, here's how I want to do this. This is how the Holy Spirit I felt led. I didn't get a phone call. I don't have a red phone on my desk. It's directly connected to heaven. you. Yes, Lord prayed about it, and I said, Lord, does the teens come back in quietly and reverently? You guys can come back up and find your place. You're not going to disturb us. Teenagers, go ahead and find your, your families. Find your place to sit down if you can. Look, there's open spots all over the front of this church, so I can keep an eye on you. And as they're coming in, let me just say to everybody but them as they're coming in. Young people, there's nothing more important than the day and age you live in to find out who Jesus says you are. Because that's happening all around us, isn't it? People's identities, listen to me. Some of these kids, instead of saying, boy, I'm struggling with some kind of attraction here. What are they saying? I am. And it's locking them up in a prison, church. Young people, I want to tell you something that You are who the Word of God says you are. And, and here's where we're going to go with this. Is they pass out communion elements, if you guys would go ahead and start. Here, here's what I felt like I was supposed to do. And I've done this before, and I'll do it again. After we get the elements of communion, and you go ahead and open them as you get them, Go ahead and take the the wafer that represents the body of Christ and the the juice that represents His precious blood this morning. Go ahead and take those in your hand, and here's what I felt led to do: is I'm going to speak over you, who God says that you are. And listen, I felt like as I did this this morning in faith, as I do this here in just a moment after we get everything passed out. There's going to be like a wave of God just break some things off of you. Some of you just felt like you haven't had the strength to get up off of the mat. You've been knocked down by life, beat up, and left. There's going to be a strength that comes through Holy Communion. Holy Communion is special this morning. You may even be saying, I just came here. and Listen, I don't decide who gets invited to the table. He does. <laughs> and I can point you to five scriptures that says, Whomsoever will come. Come. It does say this. Let each one of us examine ourselves. It's not my job to examine you. It's your job to examine your own life and heart in the moment we'll have in just a minute as Tammy plays. But here's the examination that I want to present to you today. What what areas, what, what was that place I asked you at the very beginning of service to bring to the forefront of your mind of something that you have been dealing with, not for the last couple months, but I'm talking about maybe even for decades. Because I want you to hear the loving voice of Jesus, the challenging, but loving. Whenever Jesus comes to challenge us, it's for our own good. But to hear the voice of the Lord all the way down through the millennia, because He's here, He's been here since He's always here, but His presence is here. The Holy Spirit is here. I want you to hear the voice of Jesus saying, Do you want to be made well? And if the answer to that question is a hearty yes, God, I'll do whatever, then you have to evaluate what community you're in. You have to evaluate the things that you've allowed to become your identity and evaluate those things in your life. Here's my problem. I can never open these things. That was a little bit easier. Go ahead and take your elements and bow your head and close your eyes. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Holy Spirit, you're welcome right now in this moment. You always are, Lord. But Spirit of the living God, I pray you just fall upon this body as we step back and remember the body that was broken and the blood that was shed. Jesus, you told us to do this in remembrance of you. So Lord, before we do that, may I humbly declare over the people of God of bringing them and calling them to remembrance of what their identity is in Christ. Just close your head, close your eyes and bow your head. And let this wash over you. Let it wash over you. This is the truth of God's Word. You are a child of God. You are a branch of the true vine and a conduit of Christ's life. You are a friend of Jesus. You have been justified and redeemed. Your old self was crucified with Christ, and I am no longer a slave of sin. You have been set free from the law of sin and death. As a child of God, you are a fellow heir with Christ. You have been accepted by Christ and you have been called a saint. In Christ, you have wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. You are joined to the Lord and you are one spirit with him. God leads you in the triumph and the knowledge of Christ. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. You have become the righteousness of God in Christ. You have been made one with all who are in Christ Jesus. You are no longer a slave to sin, but you are a child of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You have been set free in Christ. You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You are chosen, holy, and blameless before God. You are redeemed and forgiven by the grace of Christ. You have been predestined by God to attain an inheritance. You have been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. You are a beautiful workmanship of Christ created to produce good works. You have been brought near to God by the blood of Christ. You are a member of Christ's body and a partaker of His promise. Your new self is righteous and holy and you are a citizen of heaven. The peace of God guards your heart and guards your mind. God supplies all your needs. You have been made complete in Christ. You have been raised up with Christ and your life is hidden in Christ. God loves you and He has chosen you. Lord, let Your truth sink in. Let Your truth come and let all lies and let all accusations And let everything the enemy would try to do. Father, let it be broken right now. For those who in the very forefront of their mind, Lord God, said this is my issue. And it's been that issue for a long time. Lord, I speak your word from John 5 over them right now in this moment. Beloved of God, child of the King, know today who is in you and know whose you are And God, let that truth defeat every mindset. Let it pull down every stronghold. God, let in this moment your healing power be released over the body today, Father. God, thank you for who you created each and every soul in this house to do and to be. If you look back this way, Just take those elements in your hand. I always just do communion off the cuff. It's not going to be something that I read from a piece of paper, but it's going to be something that we experience in our hearts. Because that's what this is all about. Jesus said, do this in remembrance. Remembering what? Remembering the sacrifice that it took to give us everything that I just spoke over you. Because I spoke over you the very Word of God of who you are in Him. And it's all because of this right here that symbolizes his body that was broken and the blood that was shed for the forgiveness of sins. Take that bread in your hand and just hold it up for just a second. Father, on the night that you were betrayed, you took the bread and you broke it and you gave thanks. Lord, can I be so bold as in this moment to give thanks for every broken area of my life? Can I be so bold to give thanks for every lame area in my life? Because, Lord, we know it's because of those areas that we could see your mighty power and strength manifest in our lives. Lord, your body was broken so that we may be healed in our heart and our soul and our bodies and in our minds. There's somebody here that you've been so tormented in your mind. It's like the enemy has absolutely come and just beat you up, shooting arrows of doubt, shooting arrows of fear. Somebody that's here, you've said to yourself very plainly and very clearly, I am so scared of the future. God wants you to know this morning that he's already there in your future because of his body that was broken. Because of the healing that was provided by those stripes on his back, we were healed. So Lord, we also know that this represents healing. I pray over this entire body as we come together in unity, celebrating your body and the blood today, Holy Communion. God, may this be healing to our mind, our heart, and our bodies. You may partake of the bread this morning. this is never lost on me and I don't want it to be lost on you this morning that something had to be broken and crushed for us to partake of what we're partaking of. The bread had to be, grain had to be crushed and formed into something else. Grapes had to be crushed to be formed into something else. And it's the same way in our lives. There's a crushing that sometimes can take place and this represents this, that ultimately His crushing means our victory. Amen? Amen. Take that cup and let's honor the blood. Jesus, in this moment, we honor Your precious blood. That in the same way, You took the wine and You blessed it. And You said this is the blood of the new covenant. God, we thank You for the new covenant. The covenant of grace. The covenant of mercy. The covenant of your goodness being extended to us and your forgiveness being extended to us because of the unmerited favor of God. Lord, we celebrate the sacrifice upon the cross of Jesus Christ. And we take this and we honor it now in this moment that it is for the forgiveness of sins, past, present, and future. The Lord, as we find ourselves in you, we understand as we celebrate this that we are forgiven and we can come into your holy presence. So Jesus, we remember and we thank you for the blood. You may partake of the communion cup this morning. Stand with me where you are. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. If you're comfortable, could you just lift your hands? And the presence of the Holy Spirit is just heavy in this room. You say, pastor, explain that to me. I can't. It's it's better experience than explained. But I do know this in those moments when I need him, all I have to do is just call out to him, whether I'm in my car, I'm out enjoying God's nature and outside by my pool or riding in the truck with my dog i want you to know that he's closer than the very air that you breathe he's only one word away sometimes that word is just father i need to talk he makes him the god of the universe makes himself available to us bow your head and close your eyes i want to close this service this way this many people here present in front of me I understand that you may just simply say pastor I've I've never become a new creation I've never been born again I I don't know that I know that I know that I know that if I were to pass away tonight or God forbid in my car tomorrow or whatever it may be life is very short and it's like a vapor of smoke it's here and it's gone young people listen to me for just a second Just because you're a teenager doesn't mean that anything's promised for the future. It means that we need to make sure that our lives are right with God in the moments that God gives us those opportunities to turn away from our selfishness and our sin and to receive the free gift of salvation. I want to just ask this question before I close. Does anybody say, I just need to be born again? I need to repent of my sin, turn away, and to put my faith in Jesus. Would you just shoot your hand up? We're not here to embarrass you. We're here to set up a meeting between you and the Father so that you can have your sin washed away. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? we got people that are coming into the kingdom this morning. Can we all pray this together? Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you honestly. I come to you openly at your invitation. I repent of my sin. I turn away from my old life. And I receive today the free gift of salvation. Wash me clean. Come into my heart. I declare you today my Savior and most importantly, my Lord. I give you my life and I receive the new life of Jesus Christ. Fill me right now in this moment. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 How many have been glad you're in the house today? I want to continue to encourage you to make the house of God a priority in your life. It will change you. It will change you being in the house, being around fellow believers and seeing what God's doing. Can I bless you this morning? Can your pastor bless you? Lift your hands. Father, I bless Christian Center Church. Father, I pray they would be blessed going in and blessed going out, that they would be blessed in their homes and blessed at work, that, Father, everything they put their hand to would prosper and be blessed. Bless our children and our children's children from generation to generation. Father, I pray that your face would turn towards them, that your raise your countenance upon them and give them peace, rest, protection, and Lord, they would know a special place of your love this coming week. Father, protect and watch over until you bring us back together at the appointed time. I bless Christian Center Church in Jesus' holy name. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Go in the name of the Lord and be blessed. Amen. We'll see you all Wednesday. Share Wednesday night bring something good.